This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. This is David Penzer, and we welcome you, as we do each and every week, to this thing we call a podcast. Happy to have you here. Uh, we're going to have some fun a little bit later on with uh, an old friend of the show, Glenn Gilberti, the Disco Inferno. Uh, invited him back on and uh, have an interesting concept we're going to try. Uh, I put um, 30 names of... Uh, of, of legendary wrestlers, of bookers, of current wrestlers, even some non-wrestlers who are pop culture people. And I, I put them all on different pieces of paper and, uh, and I put them in a baseball hat, uh, my Rays postseason hat from 2013. Uh, maybe, the, uh, maybe a while till we get another postseason, so it's sort of my lucky hat. And, uh, and we're just going to pick out 10, 12, 15 names and... Uh, have disco tell stories or uh, give opinions and and just be disco inferno, be Glenn Gilberti, which he does, uh, which is always entertaining. Also, get his take on uh, the current wrestling environment, what promotions he likes, what he's digging about him, and what he's not. So, hang on for that. That should be fun. Next week, we are expecting WWE Hall of Famer Coco Beware to come on City Ringside to tell his story. Spoke to Coco last night. So, unless something falls through, expect to have. The Birdman on next week, and we're looking forward to that as well. Wanted to touch real quickly, uh, was brought to my attention that at Lord Brownwind on Twitter, better known to his friends and family as Paul, uh, had sent out a uh, personal message to the show podcast Twitter handle, which is at Penzer Ringside. You could actually, my handle, you could hit me up directly at David Penzer if you're a uh, friend of the show, if you like what we do, I would suggest that you, uh, you, you, uh, Jerry, what is it like? Follow. I, I follow this social media thing. I'm still learning. I would, I would, uh, suggest that you follow both the show Twitter and my personal Twitter. And, um, but, uh, he wrote, uh, hi, Mr. Penzer, please call me David. Um, he wrote, love the show. On one of your shows, could you describe what a usual TV show day would be for you? Uh, would be like for you at WCW? Also, was it different for house shows? He went on, I've seen videos online of before WCW show and you addressing the crowd. What kind of things did you tell the fans pre-show? There are a bunch of videos out there. I don't know how people got them. I think the pre-cable feed uh, of uh, the pre-shows for almost every Nitro and Thunder. Uh, so it's sort of a cool indication of what I did back for a living 20 years ago or so. Uh, the wonder of, um, of uh, technology. He also went on, did you and Michael Buffer have a good friendship? Did it bother you not being able to announce all the matches when he was around? Thanks. Paul, appreciate your support. Uh, I'm going to start with the last question first, but I thought I'd answer uh, your query. Uh, me and Michael Buffer did have a good, uh, I don't know if I'd say friendship, um, uh, we had a good relationship. He, you know, basically came in and and did his uh, his his line and got paid a lot of money and and that's the American dream. I never had any problem with it. He was always nice to me. You know, I don't know that we went out, you know, 
to clubs afterwards. So uh, I don't know if you call that a friendship. We, you know, but uh, you know, always had a good cordial relationship. Um, he recently, interesting story. He rec- my brother recently saw him uh, at a boxing event down in South Florida that my brother. Uh, had tickets for, and uh, he went up and introduced himself and said he was my brother. And um, Michael Buffer said some real kind things about me, uh, something to the effect that uh, that uh, your brother had talent. I was lucky because I came up with one line. You know, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate the, the 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 Michael saying that. And uh, you know, there's a part of that that's true. Actually, you know, he got lucky, and that's just part of living in a a society like the United States of America. And you, you, you come up with a line, you invent a, a, a some kind of crazy, uh, you know, invention uh, and you become a millionaire. I watch Shark Tank almost every week and, you know, people invent things and go on Shark Tank and, you know, next thing you know, they've sold 5 million of them. So uh, uh, as far as Michael Buffer goes, it never bothered me about him announcing the matches. That's what he was getting paid for. I was just happy to be there, quite frankly. Uh, as far as television days, television days, um, were fun, but they were long, uh, usually around 10, 11 o'clock. We had what's called a production meeting. For those of you who may not be familiar with the production meeting, basically it is what it sounds like. Uh, everybody in charge and involved with the production of the show from the person who rings the bell to the ring announcer, to the cameraman, to the sound guys, everybody in the truck, everybody in creative, uh, everybody involved in producing the show basically sits down and goes over the, the, the lineup, goes over the, the script, and usually the person who would read and conduct the meeting would be the booker, whoever that person was. Uh, sometimes it would be Eric, sometimes Kevin Sullivan, sometimes executive producer, uh, but um, usually one of the big uh, head honchos. And, uh, uh, you know, that ironed out any questions as far as camera angles, as far as... Uh, uh, any anything that might not have been thought of, thought out, and um, so those were always interesting. You know, usually they were routine, but I uh, always had a production meeting. This day, the last time I was at uh, Impact Wrestling, uh, still had production meeting. They don't, they never change. So, uh, as far as the rest of the day, at one point I was producing, and then later hosted actually and produced the uh, market specific interviews. Uh, if you remember syndicated television. And I'm dating myself. Uh, you'd see Mean Gene or Lee Marshall come on, uh, no matter if it was WWF or WCW or any of the the wrestling programs that were syndicated in this time. And they'd say, you know, something. If you live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, they'd say, you know, uh, Pittsburgh uh, WCW is coming to fill in the blank arena. Uh, here's the card, and uh, looking forward to seeing my close personal friend. You know, maybe a guy who owns a restaurant or a bar. And then uh, they'd have a wrestler come on and, and talk about that specific match. You know, Jimmy Hart would say, I'm bringing the Dungeon of Doom this Friday in Pittsburgh. Don't miss it. Get your tickets now. Uh, those were called market-specific interviews. They were inserted into the, like I said, the syndicated shows. I produced those for the longest time with uh, Gene and then with Lee Marshall. And then, like I said, I, towards the end, I actually did them. Uh, we had a, a, a gray box that was air-conditioned. That was like its own separate studio that was set up. I don't even know what you would call it other than the big gray box where uh, it had the backdrop and the the camera and room for a few of the guys to be sitting there. And so we'd go out in the parking lot where the big gray box was set up and 
I'd get different talent and, and Gene or whoever it would be would run down the shows. And then I'd take those back to Atlanta and I'd, I'd uh, produce those uh, in post and insert them into the syndicated shows. So that was sort of, it was fun and was something else for me to do. Um, gave me more credibility, but it was, uh, it was more of a pain in the butt. When those were over, when those went away, because, you know, as, as we know, at some point the syndicated shows went away and everything was national. Um, when those went away, uh, television was a lot more fun. After production meetings, you usually go to catering, uh, you know, sit around, talk, you know, about what's going on in the business. Uh, it's going on in life. Uh, the food was pretty, usually pretty good. And um, sometimes, and, you, and you'd remember the cities. It's funny to this day, people remember the cities where they'd have like really good steak or really good food. Uh, some of the cities, not so much. So you'd, you'd prepare for that. But um, you go to, uh, to catering. And then when I wasn't doing the, uh, the, inter- the market specific interviews anymore, I just got to really hang out. And, uh, you know, there was a trailer towards the end. Well, for the announcers, so it was me and Mike Tanay, Lee Marshall, Bobby Heenan, Gene Okerlund, Tony Schiavone. Uh, imagine that motley crew sitting around killing time. So uh, actually, some of the greatest memories that I have were uh, were in that trailer with 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 Bobby and Gene and and Mike and you know just them you know telling stories and Bobby do, being Bobby Heenan. God bless him, rest in peace. And um, and Gene being Gene and uh, so. So that was actually kind of fun. As far as the house shows go, went, those were easy. Showed up an hour in advance, uh, got the music ready, got, you know, made sure the matches were lined up, did the deal, move on to the next town. So I do appreciate the question, Paul, at Lord Brownwind. And uh, if you have any others, uh, please let me know. As far as what I did said when I addressed the crowd, I, I sort of had a routine, um, like you could hear on those uh, online, on those pre-shows. Uh, a lot of it was just to get the crowd excited about going live. Uh, I'd count them down, uh, tell them, you know, the rowdiest, loudest wrestling fans get to be on camera. Uh, you know, t- you know, really, it was all about pumping up the crowd for the live show. We had uh, at different times the Nitro Girls come out and perform while Cat Willie, uh, uh, while Cat Willie come out and do whatever what while Cat Willie did. I, I, I still to this day don't really know, uh, and. Um, and then DJ ran towards the end, playing a little uh, music and uh, uh, being the house DJ. So uh, it was, you know, sometimes there was rules and regulations about, uh, about you know, throwing things to the ring, especially during the NWO era. And so, you know, I'd, I'd have to give them that. You know, I'd tell them what the main event was sometimes if we, they weren't. It was something that was announced in advance that they weren't building up to in an angle. So that's a little bit of an overview, but I appreciate the question and hope – People found that interesting, and uh, uh, it was fun. Uh, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, but uh, uh, I enjoyed what I did, and I enjoyed the people that I was around and and and, and the business that I love. So I uh, can't say it wasn't a blast and um, great memories to this day. So uh, appreciate your, uh, your question, and I appreciate the fans uh, giving that a listen and uh, hope uh, it was semi-entertaining. Speaking of semi-entertaining, that's a great segue to my guest this week. I wanted to bring him back. Uh, We spoke uh, very early in the history of this podcast. Uh, We talked about his career. And um, as you know, the man is very outspoken, a guest on many podcasts. uh, And uh, so we decided to bring him back and have some fun. So uh, let's have some fun at this point. 
want to welcome once again Glenn Gilberti, Disco Inferno. Welcome again to City Ringside. We are glad, ladies and gentlemen, to have back uh, making a special second appearance on City Ringside. Disco Inferno, Glenn Gilberti, the Charles Nelson Riley of the podcast world, so to speak. If those of you remember the panel game shows, Charles Nelson <laughs> Riley was on like almost uh, every one of them. That was like his uh, his gig. And and I know, uh, Glenn, you're on uh, many different podcasts, so we appreciate you giving us time. Is that a, a good uh is that a good comparison or, or not so good? The Charles Nelson Riley of He's the podcast. Center, he was a center center square on Hollywood Squares, right? No, no, he wasn't. That was Paul Lind. And actually, when I was... No, no. Charles Nelson Riley was on the Gong Show a lot, wasn't he? And the Gong Show. He was on Match Game. He was on... Right, but Match the, Game. The funny thing is... He was, is on, no, he was on Hollywood Squares before, though. I don't know. The, he, he was... The fu- I think he was. The funny thing is, I is is before you got on, we were trying to. I was trying to think of a name of somebody who had uh, was a, a regular on a lot of those panel game shows, and uh, uh, my producer Jerry Petuck, uh he, he mentioned Charles Nelson Riley, but then he sort of settled in on Paul Lind, and I decided to go with Charles Nelson Riley. So when you said Paul Lind out of the blue, he just had the uh, the victory sign. He, he he wins as he usually does. He's usually right. I should listen to him more often, but I'm a. Nope. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, the, the, the Paul Lind of the podcast world, so to speak, uh, disco Inferno, Glenn Gilberti, how are you doing in Las Vegas? I know cauliflower alley club just ended. Do you, do you, I didn't see you in any pictures. Do you have anything to do with them? Uh, I'm not a fan of that. I'm no? not a fan of that. I'll, I'll be honest with you, dude. It's like, I mean, I've been, and that thing is filled with people I've never heard of before. I yeah. mean, like you, you go like, like some, some of the gimmick tables, like these Robin, I'm a wrestling historian. Like there's people there that have these giant gimmick tables. I've never heard of them. Actually, and this is kind of like, there was it was it, pretty stars. A, it was pretty star studded this year. I think I saw. Well, no, it did. well, here's here's the problem. I can't go to the events at night because I have my job. And there's really nothing to do during the day other than go there and you know give buddy the uh, you know the wrestle handshake. I got to hang out with Nick Aldis while I was there. Um, I met Nick Aldis and I met Dave Lagana for the first time actually. I've never, you know, uh, I wouldn't know what Dave Lagano looked like if he knocked on my door. I swear to God, I know, I know, well, I, mean, what, I, those. I know what he did, but uh, you know, and I know he's working with uh, with uh, Billy Corgan and the NWA now. Uh, but yeah, last night I think was pretty. Uh, as we record this, was pretty star studded. Uh, I think uh, Shawn Michaels was there, and Hall and Nash, and and right. and yep. X Pac, and Booker T, and Stevie Ray, yep. and I was actually gonna. I hadn't gone, and I was actually gonna go, but the flight. I'll tell you what, man, the flight back to. From Vegas to, to to Florida, you either have to hop on a red eye, which red eyes, even back 10 right. years when I was in the business, red eyes killed me. It would take me three days to recover because it's hard to sleep. So you really don't. And and then uh, uh, or you got to leave it, you know, you know, you, you miss a whole day. So with all the different things I do, you know, uh, the real estate and the, the podcast and the other side companies that I that I own, especially this time of year, I just couldn't get out there. But um, but yeah, it's good. A good thing that you got to see Nick Aldis. So, uh, did you watch WrestleMania? We're a, a little bit away from WrestleMania. Did you watch WrestleMania? What were your thoughts? Yes, I did. Um, it's all right. I mean, you know, it didn't really. I mean, it kind of underwhelmed me a little bit. Um, Long show. Yeah, it's too long for wrestling. It's, it's, I mean, bro, I don't understand why they don't because all, you have all those fans there, right? 
um, and you do the NXT show uh, the night before. Why don't they move the NXT show to Friday night and have and do WrestleMania over two days? Well, they have to have the Hall of Fame. The reason why they uh, you, you could do the Friday, but you could fit those shows. You you could you could fit four shows in three days, and uh, and you could fill fill a, a sixty thousand seat stadium up with, with a two day show. Yeah, but what matches? Uh, how, what, what, how would you? What would be the main event the first night? Obviously, the second night would have been Rock and uh, and Roman Reigns. Uh, what would have been the main event the first night? AJ and Nakamura. Would it have been uh, the tag team with Ronda Rousey? What then? Then you're having to split up matches and sell two different tickets. I just think make it shorter. I don't know about the two day concept. I'm not. I'm, well, of course, make it shorter. But what are you going to exclude? You know, battle royals that don't you, really mean anything. Although. Although the battle That's world that they had wasn't that bad. It's a way to get everybody on the show. It gets everybody on the show. If you take that out, you have a bunch of people that aren't even on the show. Yeah. I don't know. What'd you think about, yeah. uh, what'd you think of, I, my favorite match was Charlotte and Asuka. I still can't figure yeah, out why good. her name is Asuka, but there's a U in the middle, but that's a whole different story. But, yeah. uh, yes. it was like when I was young and I read the wrestling magazines, I thought it was Ole Anderson instead of Ole Anderson. Cause what do I know? I'm reading. So all this time before I watched, uh, I thought it was Ole. First time I ever saw that, yeah. I thought it was Ole. Like, and I thought like it was Vern Gaines instead of Vern Gagne because I never heard it. Right. It was just in the magazines. So I, I, when I see the name on, you know, on on it, the internet, I'm saying to myself, her name is Asuka, Asuka. So then all of a sudden, when they uh, promote her to the main roster, they say Asuka, and I'm saying, uh, here we go all over again with the wrestling magazine stuff. What's what's with the U? I don't get it, but uh, yeah. I thought Charlotte. Oh, they, 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 yeah, she, she they they did great. Those two. I'd like to have seen it. Give them maybe five more minutes, but I thought it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed the the Ronda Rousey, uh, Triple H, Stephanie, uh, Kurt Angle spectacle. What did you think of that? Um, I thought that match was great. Too. I thought that was the best thing on the show. The yeah. Ronda Rousey thing. Yeah, those two. I, were- it could have. It it could have been the main event on the show. It's well. It came also good. I think. I think they. I think in hindsight, they probably would have made it that, especially knowing the players yeah. involved. Except for I don't know that they were a hundred percent sure. And you also don't know uh, how the crowd two hours later is going to react if they're going to react the same way as they did, you know, an hour into the show as they are three hours into the show. Uh, yeah, that is. What true. about what about Roman Reigns losing again to uh, to Brock? I didn't. I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I don't understand either. I mean, they're just the guy that's trying to make him a baby face. He keeps getting booed. He keeps losing to Brock, which isn't going to get him cheered. Um, it's, it's just a very, you know, I'm, whatever they're doing with Roman, I, I don't get it. I mean, they, they should just turn the guy heel and just, just get the proper crowd response from him. Oh, know? I think so. Put him with Heyman. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, put him with Heyman. Um, put him with Heyman or put him with the, with the Usos or put him with the, you know, just put, I, I, I mean, you can do any anything with it, you know. But uh, I just—it's I, just that's the most puzzling thing. How they're just—they refuse to give in to the fact that the fans will just boo this guy out of the building. And you remember, Dave? You were—you were there in WCW uh, when I started in '95, and we started going on the road for Nitro. And they booed you out of the you building like Roman. No, you know when they would do the deal before the show started. And like you would be, you would be the announcer, and you'd be saying, "Tonight we have your know, Randy Savage will be here, crowd cheer. Your know, Lex Luger will be here, crowd cheer. Your know, Hogan's a Bayface, Hulk Hogan, and the, and he'd get booed out of the building when you're introducing before the show. You know the same. I mean, you remember that, right? Sure, I was I was actually talking yeah, so, a little so, bit about it in general right. terms. So we, had a, we had a question so in the opening. So, so, 
So what did we do? All right, he's getting booed out of the building. <laughs> so we go, yeah, turn him heel. Is what they did, and it led to like one of the biggest boom periods in professional wrestling history. Yeah. So it's like I just, I mean, the formula is there for what they should be doing with the guy. The refusal to do it is bizarre. That's I don't, I don't, I don't get it. You know, history, history is will, will, is your guide here. You know, so. Yeah, even to a lesser extent, you know, when uh, they brought Honky Tonk Man into WWF originally, he was uh, a babyface who was a friend of Hulk Hogan's, right. and and they booed him out of the building, so they turned him heel. He's gone on to be yes, one of the, heel. you know, a consistent heel for, you know, 20 but years. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing more confusing than, because, like, you know, wrestling today, you got this subculture of fans that watch it. There's not, not a lot of casuals watch it anymore. Uh, the ratings are very low and stuff. So when the channel surfers are tuning in and trying to watch this product. They just got to be very confused at, at what's going on with the, with the characters on the show. Like if you're gradually tuning in to watch raw and you, you're wondering why are they booing Roman Reigns every time he comes out? You're, you're puzzled. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. He's not doing anything really heelish or anything. No. <laughs> they're just booing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I just don't you know. I, I don't know why. I think honestly, if you just made the guy a heel, the fans will still boo him. And it will be a proper reaction from the crowd. And it won't look confusing on, on, on to people that are watching on TV. Well, I think they're comparing him to John Cena, who gets booed a lot. But I think it's a totally different kind of boo. Uh, I think people boo John Cena with respect, uh, even if they're not big fans. Plus, a lot of the kids really like him. Um, and, and he sells a ton oh. of merchandise. But, but I don't think it's the same kind of booing on Roman that it is with, with no. Cena, at least not now. <laughs> Because the difference is, is Cena will turn the crowd when he rocks a good promo on the mic. That's you true. You know what I'm saying? He's got the mic skills that will turn the crowd and get them to cheer. You know, people that were saying, yo, Cena sucks, will be cheering his promo because he's so good at it. Roman's not good at it, which is why he should be a heel because he's not, he can't talk well enough to get the people to cheer him. You know? That is true. I so thought that, the, that's another reason to turn heel. I thought the Montreal crowd was pretty fun this week. Did you get to see any of that? Yeah, but, the, but that's Monty. That's Canada. They're, they're going to cheer there. They, they were actually more fun than the crowd the night after Mania, which is usually my favorite uh, episode to watch. But I thought that, uh, that 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 Montreal actually beat them this uh, this year. But that was that was a fun show to watch. But and uh, they absolutely, they absolutely did. And, and it was kind of weird. The night after Mania, uh, they did a throwaway show. You know, which is surprising because you know the crowd would be like, I, I don't know if they were scared the crowd was going to hijack the show anyway. So they didn't try to do like a lot of angles because they didn't, or they weren't worried. They're were probably worried that the crowd might not respond. But there was just a, a throwaway show because they said next week we're having the superstar shakeup. You know, so it's like it was kind of like the show was like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter what we do this week because next week we're all probably like changing brands and stuff. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, you know, I think so. I think you're probably that, right. Huh? I think it was. A, I think it was a combination of being afraid that they were going to get hijacked and and not really having long term direction that they could follow because of the. Uh, because of the superstar shakeup. Hey, uh, uh, do you watch Impact Wrestling at all? Not really. I watch I watch uh, YouTube clips of it. What do you think? Uh, it, its popularity is, is is growing. You know, they're uh, they they ran some live events before WrestleMania and at WrestleMania weekend and uh, and did some good business. Their their ratings are growing, uh, not exponentially, but you know, it's the slow climb that 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 actually means something. Um, uh, have you have you any any uh, thoughts on the team of uh, Don Callis and Scott Demore? Well, they're they're improving and they're they're, they're going with a business plan that I like. Um, you know, Fight TV is trying to be. Um, you know, there's a WWE and they're like, okay, we're going to be everything else. 
So if you're doing that, and this is like a thing these days, and we're probably like, I, you know, they did that show, um, WrestleMania weekend, the Impact versus Lucha Underground. Yes, sir. So it's like that's kind of a deal. This this fan base is kind of like your comic book crowd. You know, like you, you can marry the two because like there's a lot of the wrestling conventions are basically like comic book conventions, like WrestleCons and stuff, and uh, and a lot of wrestlers go to the comic book conventions to sign. So you have a large large portion of your audience is that comic book uh, subculture. And one thing that's really hot is the marrying the universes. You know, the Infinity Wars is, is coming. It's just like so. It's like if, if they're working with all these groups, why not do stuff like that? You know, we all know it's a work. We all know it's, you know, we all know that they're. You know, these companies, like the same guys that working behind the scenes at all the companies and stuff, just, just have them you know, work with each other. And I, I, I think that is uh, uh, interesting. It, it garners my interest. I agree. And I, think, and I think it was smart of them to let people, you know, to let people come in using their gimmicks and then leave if they want to using their gimmicks. You know, you had to, you know, you know, somebody would get a big name on the indie scene. Then they'd come in under a different name. Then they, if they went to WWE, they'd have to go to a different name. You know, you had that whole fight with the Hardys and, and Impact. I, I think it was smart. You know, just just let them come in and hey, if if you're profitable and you're a building ground for the most profitable company, it doesn't matter. You're still profitable. It's still good. Absolutely, absolutely. The whole point of this is trying to turn a profit. Exactly. It's all from it's not. It's not trying to. You know, have the critics think your creative is good and everything. Everything's about building numbers and making money. And they're and they're following that path, and what they're doing is working so far. So, you know, I'm, I'll give them credit. Yeah, I mean, if you got a guy like Brian Cage, if if you say to him, "Hey, you know, I know you're you're big on the indies. You you, you could come in, you could keep your name. When you leave, you could take your name with you. We just want to use you and and see where it goes. And then, you know, that to, to a guy like Brian, and I'm just picking him out of out of you know a bunch of people, but to a guy like that, I'm assuming you know that's pretty. Uh, you know, that's something that's tempting because you're getting television ex- exposure, you're getting television experience, uh, you're getting a payday, and you're not losing anything. They're not changing your gimmick. They're not changing your name. They're not going to make you keep it. You, you can still wrestle pay-per-views. So they, they totally took away that non-compete, and I think that it, 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 it actually worked for them. I thought it was a smart move. Yeah, absolutely. Are you, a, are you a New Japan pro wrestling fan? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of that. I, 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 this, uh, it doesn't follow the model of professional wrestling that I, I grew up on. First of all, a lot of guys don't speak English, and I like promos. Um, and that's just like, you know, the New Japan wrestling, is, is everything's based on uh, quality of the match, you know, match quality and stuff. And I just... I'm just not into that. Plus, uh, plus two, I, 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 they, they, they do this every match. I can't stand it, and I don't care what anybody says to me. I think I look stupid, regardless of you know you're a New Japan fan or whatever, bro. I, I can't stand it when the two guys stand in the middle of the ring and they trade these forearms back and forth with each other. You just let the guy hit you in the face of the forearm and they go back and forth. It looks so, it looks so, un, it looks so phony of anything you'd seen in a real fight, and I and they do it all the time, and people just ignore. That glaring, like uh, hole in in psychology, you know, and I just, I, I just can't get with it. I just do not, I just do not get with those matches. Are you a fan of the Young Bucks? Yes, I am a fan of the Young Bucks. You know, bro, let me tell you something about the Young Bucks too. Is they get a lot of heat for doing like a lot of, um, uh, you know, kayfabe stuff and, and stuff and all that. But bro, those guys, they do a lot of high spots and stuff. 
but they have, they'll tell an old school story in the ring sometimes. Like they, they sell really well, you know, like, like I, I like the critics of the young and then I like, like, uh, you know, like, like, do they criticize it? I don't see it. I, I think those guys, those two guys know how to work. And I think they do all the crazy stuff to kind of like appease. That's part of their, their fans and stuff, which is why they're one of the most popular teams in wrestling today. Well, some of the sponsors every once in a while, you find a spot that's silly, but, uh, but that's you know that's nitpicking. I actually think that TNA back in the day really dropped the ball on them. I was ringing down some back then when they brought them in, and uh, and they were they were really good then. And and uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a big well, fan. And hell, you know well, when you're in when when you when you have your own product line in hot topics, uh, yeah. you know just off the indie scene in New Japan, you know you're doing something right, folks. Yeah. Plus those guys too. Those guys know the have the charisma the charisma part down. They know what to do in between the wrestling moves. Any which, chance? Which any probably, chance they you're, probably don't realize that's more over than anything. You know? Any chance that you're all in, quote unquote? Oh, I don't know. I, mean, I think we're doing a podcast stuff uh, that weekend for, nope. uh, for the People uh, One Hundred show. So no, no calls yet though from uh, from the All In cast. <laughs> no, not to be on the show. No. I got to be yeah. honest with you. If I was Cody Rhodes, I'd wake up every day hot as hell that I can't use my last name. That last name. What do you mean? He's not allowed to use Cody Rhodes. He just used Cody. That's all he is. He's just Cody right now. That's what it is. Ever since he left WWE, they won't let him. They won't let him use the name Rhodes. So he's just Cody. Yeah, I, if I was him, I'd say Cody Runnels because everybody knows, or most people know, Dusty Rhodes was. Uh, you know, I don't mind Cody. Kind of yeah, like has a little feel like 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 Ronaldo. How like could you like, like these soccer players and stuff? They just have one name. Yeah, but, Cody. but 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 that's not the point. The point is, how could you? Not let that guy use the Rhodes name, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, one of the biggest acts in the history of professional wrestling. That would be like that would be like if Nick Hogan wanted to get into wrestling and tell him he can't use the Hogan name, so you have to have to either go by Nick Balea or just Nick. Um, well, I'll tell you what, they're probably uh, um, he probably rubbed some people the wrong way there. Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately, I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's not that he's not to blame because I don't know the story and I'm sure there's two sides to it. But what I'm saying is I'd wake up every day pissed as hell that I'm not allowed to use the name Cody Rhodes. That's just, I, you know I don't know what the story is behind it. Hey, before we uh, before we start picking names out of a hat and seeing if you could make entertainment out of uh, out of some of these guys uh, uh, wrestling, uh, booking people, uh, current wrestlers, former wrestlers. Uh, uh, I actually put some pop culture people in there, so we'll see if uh, we pick one. But I, I wanted to ask you your take on Wildcat Willie. I was, uh, in the show open, I was answering a fan question about, uh, you know, what we did at T. What was a day in the life of TV, and what did I do, uh, you know, before the show as far as uh, getting the crowd warmed up? So I mentioned Wildcat Willie, and, and I wasn't quite sure to this day what Wildcat Willie's purpose was. So uh, since you're a wrestling historian, as you say, uh, Explain to me Wildcat Willie, and, and, and if you have any Wildcat Willie stories, we'd love to uh, to listen. I, I don't have a lot of Wildcat Willie stories, but I'll just say this. In summation, the best we could describe <laughs> Wildcat Willie is that he was the, the, the WCW mascot, and he, used to get, and he used to get hammered after the shows. <laughs> he used to get hammered after the shows. That's about... That's about it's, it's about all I can really. That's the only real story I have well, to walk out with. I don't, I don't really with have all, to walk out with all. Story, with but. all due respect, what's the difference between that and Ric Flair? <laughs> Not much. Because <laughs> one's a mascot, and one's a world champion. You know. So, <laughs> uh, 
He was funny though. He came but, yeah, out. He came out and he jumped on a trampoline. Right. <laughs> Uh, bro, remember that we had Nitro Girls, we had mascots. Yeah, but I get the Nitro had, Girls. They're dancing DJ. for your under. Yeah, I know. I mentioned that in the opening. DJ Ran. Yeah. He's on social media. Yeah, yeah but right. you know, he was like the house DJ. They were trying to get with the times. Everybody, you know, you right. have a house DJ. You live in Vegas. You know all that. You got a house DJ. The girls were, you know, especially for somebody who lives in Vegas and works where you work. You know, you have the dancing girls, you know, for the guys. Uh, I just didn't know what Wildcat Willie appealed to. I guess the kids, but. Uh, it's kids, absolutely. Most of the kids were scared of him, actually. Yeah. Most and of the guys were scared of him, actually. Well, yeah, he, was, he wasn't exactly the San Diego chicken. He wasn't even Raymond the Ray. <laughs> or, or, or DJ Kitty. That's my wife's favorite. We have a mascot here named DJ Kitty for the Rays team. Uh, oh. That's my wife's favorite with a... Raymond, they're like, all right, we're going to try this, and it's either going to be groundbreaking or it's going to be horrifying. So, uh, so time will tell. But uh, I always like trying something new. So I'm, I'm honestly reaching into a hat. I wrote down 30 names earlier today. It's the easiest show prep I've ever done. And, uh, and, and we're going to see uh, what your take is on these guys. And um, uh, oh, <laughs> interestingly enough, I didn't know we were going to talk about it. The first one was Roman Reigns. Well, we already talked about Roman Reigns. Anything else to say? You have any Roman Reigns stories? I've never met the guy. Yeah, I've never met him either. Never met him. I heard he's pretty cool though, so I can only speak on what I've heard. I've heard that if him. I've heard that if they let them be himself, he's a pretty cool guy. He could cut a pretty cool promo uh, instead of scripting everything for him. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I've never met him. Oh, here's a fun one. Here's the next one. Diamond Dallas Page. I'm sure you uh, you have a lot of Diamond Dallas Page stories. You know, Page helped me immensely to get a, sh- uh, a tryout in WCW. Um, he was a very quirky guy. Um, spent a lot of time with him. A lot of time on the road with him. A lot of time at his house. Spent a lot of time at the gym. Uh, um, boy. You know, it was funny. One day after a show, I think we were in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, we were, I think we were going to be driving back to Atlanta after the show and Paige had worked and, you know, Paige had all these gimmicks. Like he had the ice pack on the shoulder, like he had, he had like the shoulder harness thing to put the ice pack in, ice pack on the back. Well, he was he, like, he was he like had, 48 when he was hitting his prime. So. Right. Yeah. And he, nobody, no, make no mistake about it. Nobody that I've ever seen the rest of the business has ever worked harder for what he had in gym. Oh, than absolutely. Paige. You know, from gym, eating right, uh, taking care of your body after the match. Like, no, nobody put more effort than Paige did. And I've been in the business 26 years. I've never, never seen anything like it. But it was funny. He had all these things. He had all these gimmicks in the car. He's like, hey, come on, okay, this one, come over here, check this out. You know, me and Candy went over there. <laughs> Look, he showed all his gimmicks that he had. And he also remember he had those electric stem things. Yeah. Those uh, electric. He had those on his, on, like, his hip. <laughs> and, like, he dropped something. And like it, it actually hit the the, the the dial and like turned it up with electrocute himself. We were trying to show us how how like all said he was, you know, for the ride over. So like, that's like terrible. that's like Harley Race with his uh his, his uh what was that gimmick that he used to have the uh thing that the, the gimmicks that the cops use the 
taser. The yeah, the, no, the taser. Right. He had a taser. Well, the taser, the he, taser he'd, right. he'd bring it out in a bar, and you, you know, you had a couple of drinks after the show, and all of a sudden you get a tasing in the butt, and you'd go over three bar tables. And uh, but the DDP did it to himself, though. So uh, yes. I'll tell you this, though, and I say this with all due respect. I I, I got to see. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page get inducted into the Hall of Fame and, and got to have a, a drink with him afterwards and a nice talk. And, and and I'll tell you this, the guy got ridiculed a lot at the beginning. You know, he was taping his matches. The guys sort of rolled their eyes. Uh, you know, even at the house shows, he's taping his matches. Uh, but 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 he got over. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I'll never forget when he, you know, it's underrated in, you know, the top 10 Nitro moments. But when he... Uh, when he, you know, ripped up that NWO shirt or whatever he did, and he hit the diamond cutter on Hall and then Nash, and went up—I think it was the Superdome in New Orleans—and went up into the crowd and posed. Man, that was one—that was one of the top Nitro moments that you know people may not remember because there were so many things that happened. Uh, but the guy got over. So, and and he, and you know, if you rode with him, you know this—he took heat for it because you know people kind of thought at one point, you know, when he was taping his matches, he was kind of a mark for himself, but it worked. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I, mean, I don't know why he got heat. You know, he should I mean, he could, maybe because he was a little bit overbearing, kind of. You know, but uh, but nobody nobody worked harder than that guy. And I think I think I got a lot of people were jealous of him. You know, he was like they, they could probably like look at the oh he didn't deserve a push. Like, no, he did deserve his push because he worked hard, and regardless of his age, he got over. Yeah, over you know, big that's, time. That's how that's how it's supposed to work. You know, a guy goes out there, works hard, works hard in the ring, works hard outside the ring, and gets. And as long as you have the people, you deserve everything you get. And and, and he did. And he had the people. I mean, he had a, what three, four yeah. year run where he was as over as Absolutely. anybody. Absolutely, I mean, he's a main eventer. He was, he was a main eventer. The next name I just picked out, interesting, Dave Meltzer. Any experience with Dave Meltzer at all? Uh, Wrestling Observer publisher. Well, we've had him on the podcast a couple times on the on the one I do with Keeping One Hundred Conan. Um, He's he's a, he's a guest. Uh, I we we just have different. I mean, for for a wrestling historian and a news reporter, uh, he does incredible amount of work. Um, but uh, I disagree with his editorial privilege. Our opinions on certain people will, will differ. Um, I don't. I, I think it's interesting that a guy like him is uh, known as like the go to guy to 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 critique matches in the industry, and he's never had a match. You know what I'm saying? And I'll, I'll tell people to this day, you know, he's never, he's never even been like laid out a match with another wrestler. So it's like when you're watching a match from, from a perspective that you've never ever worked before or never been around or never like laid out, man, like you think you're seeing things that you think are good. And like guys that, that have done it before are, are looking at it going, what, wow, what, why on earth did that guy just, well, why did they just do that? You know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah. it's, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, though. I don't know if you. I'm, I'm, I would assume that you were a subscriber from back in the day, but uh, I've, never, I've never subscribed to any sheet or nothing. You've never subscribed to the Wrestling never, Observer. Never, never subscribed. I've never been. Never been interested. I'd like when I broke in in '92. When, when did you break in, Dave? Uh, it was uh, late '80s. Was uh, was in, yeah, in, yeah, in, indie so, indie indies, and then uh, and then about '93, '94 with WCW. Okay, but when you broke in those late 80s, early 90s, did you know about the Wrestling Observer and the torch and stuff? Absolutely. The, the Wrestling okay, Observer I, was much... Never, m you didn't know about it? I, I never knew about it until I went to try out for wrestling and started, started training. And the guys at the, would bring the wrestling, would bring, bring the newsletters to, to the school. 
like some of the guys at school subscribe to this stuff. And I, I'd never seen them before. Like I, I grew up in that last wave of guys that broke into the business that weren't really smartened up yet. That didn't really know how it works. That You know what I'm saying? Like, like during the, during a the time where there was still a little bit of kayfabe. Well, you know? I mean, so it, was, I, I, it was, it was, it was, I, I, I'd read them, guys would give them to me, but I would, I never purchased any of them. I, yeah. I never was a subscriber. A guy named Alex Marvez. I'm sure you probably know who he is. He's an yes. NFL writer. Uh-huh. Well, I, yeah. me and me and Alex were, uh, were kind of, when I was breaking in the indie scene, he was a big fan. And so we sort of were, became friendly and we'd help put up posters for the global wrestling. I, I hope to get him on the show here soon, but I always turn around and it's football season again and he's busy, but, um, but, uh, he would let. He was the guy who turned me on to the Wrestling Observer newsletter, and he, <laughs> to this day, it's still a source of heat. Not as much as it was. But it was serious heat back in the day. He lent me a whole bunch of Wrestling Observer newsletters so I could, you know, read like you know, because he had been subscribing for like two years. So I wanted to read back, and and you know, I was a big territory guy, so you could see all the territory, what they drew, and all that, and it was over. And um, and what was really going on? Because all you back then, all you got was that what they got out of the After magazines or or whatever. So. It was like reading the true story of, you know, the history that you had followed. And um, I lost all of them. And and oh my Alex Marvez, for the longest time, if, if you if we called him right now, he would he would still I mean, he's gotten over it, but he would still. Uh, and I and I put it off and I would say, you know, I'm going to get him to you. I'm going to get him to you. And then it like after 10 years, I had to admit that uh, I lost him. So uh, okay. but 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 my my thing about Meltzer is um, like. I, I just I'd love to know what the difference and we've talked about this on the show before many times and and I don't know if, if you want to t- put your opinion in I I'd lo- I I I just don't know what the difference is between a two and a half star match and a two and three quarter star match and a three star match I mean you know yeah. you, not only well, do you I'll have tell you, let, me tell you, let me tell you how ridiculous it is basically what you're doing is you're grading the matches on a scale of twenty points you have five stars. And each is a quarter. There's a quarter start of each one, so you have 20 points to each match. So if you're grading the matches on that scale, you're grading them on a, like a one to 100 scale, and a four, like a, a five star match would be 100, a five and three quarter star match would be, um, or four and three quarter would be a 95, four and a half would be a 90. Uh, for, why don't they just grade them like that? I've been like, wondering like, this like, for like, over a year <laughs> on a on a uh, on a weekly podcast, and it took. Disco Inferno of all people to finally explain to me what the hell three the difference was between two and a half star and two and three quarter star. I'd I'd much rather he just did it on a twenty point system and give the guy a fifteen or something. But I you know, uh, all right, Jerry, you want to pick out a a name here? Dig deep. He didn't dig deep. <laughs> here I told you I put in a couple of uh of uh, uh non wrestling uh non sports entertainment uh, names. Donald Trump. I swear to God, that's what he picked out. Uh, we don't really talk <laughs> politics great. on this show, um, but uh, g- give me. G- I know that you uh, you follow politics a little bit. Uh, give me uh, uh, your interpretation, your your thoughts on the forty fifth president of the United States. Um, I didn't vote for him. I actually didn't vote for anybody this year. I thought the choices were poor. I thought that Donald Trump uh, was a better choice than Hillary, but Donald Trump has shown. Is the problem not being a politician getting into this? A lot of the skills required to be the president, he's having a lot of difficulty with, like like staffing. He can't he can't staff he can't staff his staff without having people like quit or get fired all the time. You know what I'm saying? That, and that's what an outsider would probably have trouble with. I just can't stand the uh, 
um, the con the, the left's constant criticism of him. Uh, I, I get it. We get it. You know, Trump sucks. Trump, you know, but like, if you're going to just completely ignore every, anything that he does good, I'm just, you know, I, I just don't really have a lot of respect for your opinion, you know, cause like, cause right now, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but Donald Trump's effect on my life is, is, uh, his tax cut. I want to make about four to 5% more money this year. So I can't possibly say that anything he's done so far has been bad for me personally, or, you know, and, uh, I'm just going to like, I'm, you know, I'm, if, if he does bad things, I can, like, I see it, but like, if you're just going to just highlight every bad thing that he does and not point out things that he does good, I just don't really have time for it. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that you have to call it down the, down the middle for sure. Um, uh, I was texting with my dad last night a little bit, and uh, my comment was he may be the first person to uh, win the Nobel Peace Prize from jail. And then, yeah. and then my backup <laughs> response was, I think Gandhi did that. Did Gandhi win the right. was, was he in jail when he won the oh, Nobel Peace Prize? Or did or didn't Nelson Mandela do it? Nelson Mandela. That's who I was thinking of, actually. That's, yes, Nelson Mandela did. He was in jail when the Nobel Peace Prize. So Trump won't even be the first one to do that. But uh, but we'll see. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff out there, but. Uh, Disco Inferno on Donald Trump, our 45th president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, out of 30 names, that's the third one we picked. I, I will say, I, do you I'll have, say this too hey, Do you have any Donald I, Trump I, stories? Any time when you and Donald Trump were, uh, were riding down the road together to town? No, but the Trump Hotel is right across the street from my club. It's funny. I, I see Trump every time I leave work. I drive right by Trump, Trump Hotel. But um, I will say this. I think it's funny. I, I think his Twitter is funny. I mean, I'm entertained. I, I, I think it's funny how Trump tweets something and everybody goes crazy at a tweet. And like, <laughs> I, I, I think he's funny. I think he's just a funny, he's a, he, he's a funny Twitter troll. Sort and, of like uh, you, uh, but, but with mo- a lot more followers. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I can appreciate <laughs> it. You know, <laughs> it's like, I just love it how he says, he says things. He knows exactly the type of response that he's going to get. And he gets that response and people, you know, they, 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 just, they fall for it every single time. It's well, hysterical. In that vein, love him or hate him, I'm convinced that he won't, put, he won't bury Putin just to piss people off. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, he'll keep saying nice things about him just, just to troll them. You yeah, know? I, I'm convinced he's saying, keep talking because I'm never going to put the guy over. So uh, <laughs> just, my, just, my, just my take. I have more of an uh, issue with the media than I do with uh, anything oh, else, mean, but that's a whole different podcast. Uh, 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 the next name I picked out, and I'd love to, if you're going to be now that this one you got to be honest, uh, and there really is no other disco Glenn Gilberti than honest. Dixie Carter, what are your thoughts on Dixie Carter? I got along with her. I, I never had an issue with that's her. That's what it's going to be. I got along with her. No, no, no but I'm, let me just say this. I think what what eventually happened to Dixie is uh, she found out at a very early time in the business that people were treating her like a mark and trying to work her and swerve her. And she just eventually said, well, I'm just going to do this right back to everybody. And I think that's why there was a kind of a toxic work environment created uh, when she was in charge is that you just had the, the boy, you know, the boys in the office constantly trying to work her and her just working them right back. When you say and boys that, in the office, would that include your good close personal friend, Vince Russo? Um, no, I don't think, no, Vince, Vince, Vince was always honest with Dixie, but he didn't really like, you know, Dixie would complain to Vince about stuff. 
like Vince was the type of guy to go to go to Dixie's because he he just wanted to write the shows and stay, you know do his thing. Like all all the politics, it's like I just think she became an incredible politician. Do you think that the you think her her quote unquote popularity got a little bit to her head? Um, but maybe it did. But but you can say that about anybody, pretty much. You know, popularity will always get to your head. I don't know. I think that when I, I, this is just my opinion, she was always very nice to me. So personally, uh, and I've heard great stories about things she's done for people. So personally, I got no problem. My my, my problem was, if I'm being honest, and and you know. I have a podcast, so it gives me an opportunity to, to state what my feelings are. Um, when, when, when it seems like one of the top five goals of each week of your show is to get you more Twitter followers, the announcers constantly plugging you on Twitter, uh, the bottom Chiron pop, pop, uh, constantly plugging you on Twitter, it, it, it seems like there might be something wrong uh, as far as the priorities. It's just my two cents. Thoughts? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Like, you know, if, you're sorry, if you just think like hammering social media uh, to try and placate the fans, I, yeah, I'd, I'd never gotten that. A lot of guys do it these days. I never figured it out. Yeah, Matt Morgan was on the show uh, and he told a great story about Dixie flying him and his wife up uh, and putting them in touch in Nashville, putting them in touch with uh, with uh, they were trying to have a baby and putting them in touch with her. Uh, I guess uh, she had the same issues. So, um, so I mean, you know, stuff like that. You, you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that story, Glenn, but stuff like yeah. that. You know, wonderful. But I just, I just start to wonder when uh, it seems like one of the top three to five purposes of a show is to to get the owner more Twitter followers. That was just always my little eye roll deal. No Dix, yeah. no Dixie stories, huh? I mean, that's that's really my story. I don't really, do, I don't have any individual. Jerry, stories. on a scale of one to ten, what would you think? What, what, what do you think of this idea? Two and a half stars. <laughs> Jerry says two and a half stars. All right, the next name I picked out was Ric Flair. You got to have a Ric Flair story. Everybody has a Ric Flair story. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, you know, everybody's heard all the stories about Ric Flair. He, he probably told most of them. I'll say this, though. Um, from, from a wrestler standpoint, my in-ring experience with Ric Flair was the most unique experience I've ever had in professional wrestling. Um, I've wrestled him, like I think, like three times. Uh, but... It was a, it's, he has this unbelievable skill that I wish I had. And he probably developed the skill because he had to work so many different people traveling, you know, from town to town as a world heavyweight champion over the years. Sure. Uh, is I, I felt like I was not in control that he was pulling me through the match the whole time. And it was just like, I just, I felt like I was, I was literally on like a ride. Like he was just, he was controlling everything that I did. And I've never felt that before when I've been in the ring with somebody. And it's, it, I don't know how he, he, he's just very, very, very uh, skilled at professional wrestling. And um, I, always, I always said Eddie Guerrero was the most talented guy I've ever been in the ring with. But my, the most incredible experience I ever had was wrestling Ric Flair. When did you wrestle like, him? Was that like Nitro or Thunder or Saturday Night? I wrestled a couple. Uh, I think we did a couple Thunders. And I wrestled him in a house show in Lakeland, Florida one time. How uh, did that happen? Just because I was doing the NWO and it was like this small house show. And I think we were actually the main event on the show. Because the, the NWO was going, the Wolfpack was going against the, the Horsemen. And, you know, for, you know, Hall and, and, my, and none of the other guys were there. You know, you know how the house shows were. It was you, know, you, so it was you and Vincent? No, it, was, yeah, it might have been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I wrestled my house show in Lakeland, Florida. 
Any uh, party partying stories with Ric Flair? We all know that. I just you know, yeah, we all know. Just I, I, you know what? I never saw him expose himself. No, even I, my wife saw never, that. I've never seen that. I've never seen him do it. I, I was whenever every time he ever did it, I never saw it. But I've been there when he bought drinks for everybody in the bar. Of course, be, who who hasn't? You know. Do you ever but see I him? Never, in, ever, ever, ever. Ever see him in his robe, or he might not have taken off his robe, but no. he, no, never, never saw the no, robe. I never, never, ah, uh, I never. <laughs> all all those years, I never saw that. Did you see the ESPN special on him? Oh yeah. What were your Absolutely. thoughts? Absolutely. Excellent. It was a great show. What'd you think? It was spot on. It was spot on. The, yeah. he, you know. He 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 was uh, extremely you know if you're being honest he was a great guy uh, fun fun one of, as as fun of a person to hang out with as as there is uh, he was a good friend but uh, he was very insecure as far as being with himself so I think uh, somebody told a story maybe Jim Ross you know they went into a bar uh, they, they just the two of them and some other guests and uh, instead of just having like a, a round of drinks and going to bed by the time uh, it was over Rick was buying you know, drinks for people he didn't even know in the life of the party. And, and, and that was Rick. He, and, and, and a lot of it was because he wasn't, he, he didn't feel comfortable just sitting in a bar by himself, watching a, a game on television and having a drink and right. a, something for dinner. So, you know, we'd be in, uh, in TNA when he was there and he'd be in the bar, uh, cause he left early and I left, you know, after the show. So it, a lot of, sometimes he was, he was the only one in there. So it'd be like, uh, and I and and I know he meant no disrespect by this, but he'd be like, "Penzer, come in. I'll buy you a drink." You know me; I'm not going to turn it down, especially a free drink down, especially when Ric Flair's buying. So we we talk right. about whatever you know, and and then like you know, all the boys would start coming in, and and you know, it, you know, 15 minutes later, he'd have his back to me. You know, he'd be talking to Dixie or Kevin Nash, people who are way more entertaining than I am for sure. So, uh, you know, but, but, but if he was alone, you know, it was all about David Penzer, come join me. And, and, you know, I always thought that was, you know, that was the one thing that about Rick that, that I wish that, you know, he, he felt he would, you know, he, he was such a fun guy. And so, like he said, so good at what he did. So successful. I wish, you yeah. know, but, uh, Hey, he was nothing but honest. Uh, pick out another name here. Ah, Bill Bush. Do you remember Bill Bush? Briefly. I, I, I never, I never had a conversation with you guys. Were you there when Bill Bush uh, took over for? Now you probably, uh, probably remember this. Uh, Bill Bu- Vince Russo went, either got fired, went home, uh, whatever. He stopped coming, uh, and uh, Bill Bush took over and uh, made Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, wasn't it? Was it when Benoit was the world champion the night before? And then they, they possibly everybody. I'm talking about when everybody walked out. That was Columbus, Ohio. Bill Bush. How the hell do you remember the city? No, because it was easy to remember that. Uh, So like like a lot of history on that. Um, But Bill Bush, uh, he took over like when Russo left. uh, When Russo had that short stint, like three and a half, three months stint the first time, they took over in Oklahoma City that night. I remember that we were in Oklahoma city and uh, he was just at the show and they were, um, I think like uh, they kind of like really went back with coming the more traditional guys like flair and stuff and all that. And JJ, you know, JJ and bill Bush were, I skipped the details are sketchy, but I, I didn't have it any was, conversations. It was JJ and Kevin Sullivan were put back in right. charge. Right, so. right. Right. So, but it was, uh, it was the details are sketchy for me though. 
You could remember so, the city, but the details are sketchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you well, there? You, just remember, you remember significant things like that, like the days people get fired, fired or sent home, or the, 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 you know, you remember what town you were in for things like that. So, I will say this: the night that the night in Columbus. Uh, this this is my funny story for that. I guess we're kind of like you know. I guess it's a Bill Bush story because you said Bill Bush took over the night after Ben Rocket, which probably isn't true, but let's pretend it is. Um, we're all sitting around. Remember that day? Uh, everybody's going into Eric's office to meet with Eric. You know, all these guys are they staying? Are they going and stuff and all that? And I'll never forget. We were all sitting around. It was me, um, maybe Mean Gene and Tanae. And uh, maybe like Henny was sitting there and all that. And Bobby the Brain walks up to the, to the group of us. He goes, hey, guys, you hear the latest? Or like, what? He's like, uh, he goes, Maestro's in there with Bischoff. He's threatening to stay. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, God. Now, were you, there uh, when, were you there when they walked out, Benoit and Eddie and Dean yeah. and Shane? Yeah. And were, were you, were you, uh, were you ever... Did you ever think about walking out with those guys? Because I know no, Conan no. and Ray and Kidman originally threatened to walk with them, and then they 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 came either came back or never left. No, I never I, I never did not cross my mind. Never crossed my mind. So you were happy with your employment status there? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I was making pretty good money. Then. What did what did you think of uh, those guys walking out? In hindsight, it, it it certainly worked to their advantage, but uh, they were taking mm-hmm. a risk. Certainly, you know, Benoit had just been given the world title. Uh, what did you think when they walked out? That we'll probably have. <laughs> my honest opinion was we have plenty of guys here. I think we're going to do fine. Wow, brutal yeah. honesty by the Disco Inferno. Yeah. All right, let's pull a couple more names out of here. Chris Jericho. Uh, are you are you going to be on the cruise? Yeah, as far as I know, I think unless I get tea with too many people and they don't let me on. <laughs> so. Who who right uh, now? Have- who right now do you have heat with at the current moment? I don't know. Well, I don't think I should. I have heat with Cody Rhodes. I think Cody misinterpreted what, uh, um, like Cody, I, I mentioned something about like when Cody had a big gash on his eye that they showed on Twitter. And I said some stuff about like people don't know how to work anymore. And I wasn't throwing shade on Cody because he's the one that got busted open. But he thought I was throwing shade on him. And so he said some mean things about me. But if he were to know that like I wasn't, you know, just showing disrespect to him, uh, he probably wouldn't have a problem. Um, I've he with uh, Paul Lazenby, I think that guy that does the uh, Kill in the Town podcast with Cyrus and a uh, Lance Storm, because I said tweeted about Minoru Suzuki when I didn't know who Minoru Suzuki was or something like that, and they think I disrespected him. So, like he's and uh, I think Kenny will make it unlike me because I think he's the one that hurt Cody Rose. And I called him out before, you know. So I don't know. I I, I he with a bunch. Of uh, do you have heat with it's all, it's all just for me being like honest about my opinions on wrestling. You know, sure. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. You know, when I see stuff, what do you think of Kenny Omega as a talent? I think he's really good, but I think he needs to go to New York. And that that, that New Japan style is too rough, too too reckless. Speaking you know, of speaking of guys, fa- guys get hurt too much and stuff. I, I don't like it. Speaking of Meltzer favorites, I you know he was you know about a year or so ago he was a. Uh, you know, but big Meltzer, you know, Meltzer put him over like a million bucks and, uh, and, and, you know, so I think gave a couple of matches, six stars, which in the whole history of the observer had never done. And, um, and so when they did that, that first, uh, new Japan pro wrestling, I told this story or very early on in, in, in the history of the podcast, um, 
uh, when they first did that uh, New Japan show, uh, not this last one, but the first one that they did, and Kenny Omega was on it. I think he was in the finals of the, the U.S. and New Japan, the U.S. championship match. There's part of me that wanted to hate him because, you know, everybody that gets on the Meltzer bandwagon and he's the greatest and best thing since sliced bread. And, and so there's part of me that was like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, let's see how good this guy really is. Or is he just a Meltzer guy? Uh, but he was, you know, he was, he's really good. Yeah, no, no, he's definitely really good, but uh, I'll, um, I'll be honest, you know, like all these guys that think that think these new Japan guys are so great, you know, that that's different. That's different than getting over in the States. States, you got to do TV. You know, and you got to be able to draw people to come see the matches. Like, over there, all you do is just go, You like, the matches sell themselves, kind of, you know? Like, if, like, two good workers arrest each other in draws and stuff. So, I would say he, he needs to go, um, basically, uh, uh, he needs to go to New York uh, to, to, to really show the type of depth that he has as a performer. Yeah, he'll probably end up there. Everybody does. Uh, maybe, maybe the I could see the young bucks and and Cody never going back, but uh, uh, but everybody else pretty much does. Although it'll be interesting, this all in show in Chicago would be interesting to see if they could draw a house on their own between that and their uh and their their hot topic deal and all that. They they may never need to to go there. But you know, you have to wonder if there's really anybody who never who's never participated in a WrestleMania who doesn't think to themselves, boy, it'd be to put, just to put on my resume to say I did it, even if it's a year or two or three, you know, to be able to say I was part of WrestleMania. Uh, you know, it's, it's a huge regret that I have. Yeah. I, I don't think you're ever in WrestleMania. Is that something that you regret? Uh, kind of maybe a little bit, you know, I was never, I never, I never, yeah, never did. Getting back to Chris Jericho. Do you have any good Jericho yeah. stories? He was always fun. Um, yeah, let me see. Uh, well, there's a story that you you forget. Um, Are we going to go forget- back to the fat on the prime rib? No, not that story. Oh, not that. The story about my my reentrance in um my reentrance in uh we were in where was this uh, Salina, Kansas, where Jericho went out before the show you know, for his match, cut this big heel promo in the ring, a lot of heat and everything. So I came out, big pop and stuff and I and I slipped on the ramp and landed right on my ass. <laughs> and I'll never forget looking in the ring and you and Jericho were just in there just cracking up because that's all I could see. And the fans started laughing, you know, of course, because I, I busted my ass on my ring entrance. And I'll never forget the, just looking at you. You were literally doubled over. You couldn't stop laughing. And Jericho was doing the same thing. You guys are cracking up with tears in your eyes. And uh, I got in the ring, and we kind of didn't really lose the people. And it's funny, because um, he had so much heat, this promo, they were still booing him. And we did a spot. It was a, tr- a tackle drop-down spot. And uh, I came up too fast from the drop-down. I tripped him, and he went head first underneath the bottom rope outside the ring to the floor. <laughs> I tripped him to the, the people popped. To the point that we started doing that spot as a work, <laughs> like every time we wrestled after that, because it would always get a pretty good pop. But it's like my screw up, uh, like like caused an accident 
and that turned into a promo, uh, a spot that we use all the time. I do remember that, and I, I, but I don't remember that it was in Salina, Kansas. Quite frankly, I didn't Salina even remember Kansas. there. I didn't even remember there was a Salina, Kansas, until you brought it up. But uh, yeah, nothing, Salina, nothing, Kansas. nothing personal against the people of Salina, Kansas. Um, now, were we laughing harder than the WWE announcers were at the Titus O'Neil uh, spot at the uh, Greatest Royal Rumble? Uh, I, I don't. You know, I missed that spot. I, I didn't see that live. You haven't seen it? No, I've seen it, but oh. I didn't see it as it happened. Oh. So I don't know. How, how did the announcers react? Did he crack up? Oh, uh, 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 the kid with the tat. Corey Graves was, was inconsolable. And, and the, funny, oh, the funny thing is they, they, didn't, they didn't have to show it. Uh, the, the original shot, you just, it, it was just of the ring. It was the hard camera shot. And I guess it was Vince's call. To, and then they replayed it like 42 times. And, and uh yeah, uh, the, the the best thing I could compare it to was Tony Schiavone's nonstop laughter for about five minutes of heavy laughter after the Shockmaster went through the wall and uh, and that whole thing. And, and a lot of people have compared it to the, the Shockmaster uh, uh, accident. But, um, but, hey, they're selling T-shirts off of it. So, you know, talk about yeah, making... Uh, make, make Might t- as well make some money, right? <laughs> t- t- making chicken salad out of chicken shit? Hell yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. But... Uh, Good Chris Jericho story. All right, I was going to stop this, but we'll we'll keep going because you've redeemed yourself in your storytelling ability. Let's see who you have here. Perry Saturn, interesting name. Thoughts on Perry Saturn and any Perry Saturn stories? Perry was great. We spent a lot of time together. He, um, the thing that like like I, I used to find humorous about Perry was we would always discuss how the immediate threat of physical violence could could gain you a favor and like what perry would do is is like he was upset about something like whether it was a a uh hotel um you know the front the the, the front desk person the hotel a waiter um and just as anybody if perry was not was was unhappy he would he would get in the person's face and point at them and tell them that they, they like you need to do this right now. Or I'm like, you know, and like he would, he was like a, like a real life bully, but we would always laugh about it because he wasn't, he was only doing it because he knew he could get away with it because the immediate threat of physical violence. It's like the cops can't help you at that moment because he thinks somebody's going to beat you up. And he would like, <laughs> and like, but he would like use that all the time. And it was just funny to watch him do it, you know, to, to like people, and we're knowing that we're, you know, he's doing it as a joke, but they don't know it's a joke, and and they're taking him seriously, and they they, they get scared. <laughs> so, well, he's a scary, he's a scary guy. Yeah, he's, a scary and, guy. And, and he's a scary looking guy. Right. The one thing that Perry Saturn always reminds me, and, and and I'm not saying anything that I haven't said to his face because we used to laugh about it. He was quite proud of it. Is is Perry Saturn back in the day is the perfect example that good looking women love freaks. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he used to get a lot of good chicks. He used to get a lot of chicks, too. The guy had was cross-eyed, bald, had tattoos on his head. Uh, not particularly great-looking guy, but tattoos all over his body. And, and the hottest women in every club, no matter where we went, would gravitate to him like he was David Hasselhoff and running down the beach in freaking Baywatch. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and, and you don't realize he's a very funny, funny guy, too. Oh, yeah, and the personality great, gets great you over with the humor. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 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 He almost kicked my ass one time. How come? 
Well, we were drinking in a bar, and he had had a few, and I had had a few, and uh, and I had a little liquid courage, and uh, he told me I wasn't one of the boys, and I got hot, and mm-hmm. I said, I said, f you, I said, I said, don't say that, and he almost, you know, you know, Perry had a short fuse, like you said, right. and so he almost got, so so he said, I'm going to let you explain yourself before <laughs> before I I beat the hell out of you. And and I well, told that's what he, did. He, used, he used he used the immediate threat of physical violence on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I said, and, and God, I look back at that, and I was really lucky that nothing happened because he could have killed me, and he still could probably kill me. Uh, but uh, I I made my pitch that while I don't take bumps, and I have huge respect for those who do, uh, you know, I I started out, you know, driving, you know, five hundred miles for for nothing and putting up rings and. And, and and just told him all the, the things that I did, you know, driving enhancement guys, you know, from Florida to Chicago, Florida to Detroit, flying up and down every week to, to, to Atlanta, North Carolina, all the different places. And I said, if that's not being one of the boys, you know, paying my dues, I don't know what paying if, if having to take an effing bump is the only thing that makes you one of the boys. You know, there's some guys that come right in and, and this, this was before Bill and no disrespect to Bill, but come right in and get over like a million bucks and they're flying yeah. first class. I said, what's, you know, what's the difference? And I'll never forget. There was a moment of silence and it probably lasted about three seconds. But to me, it lasted about three minutes. And he looked at me and he thought about it and he said, you're 100 percent right. I'm glad you challenged me on it. And he gave me a big hug. And I don't think I've ever exhaled as uh, as, much, <laughs> as hard as I did. But uh, that's, that's my uh, Perry Saturn story. All right. So we keep going, Jerry. Two more. All right. Two more. Uh, here's a guy that I had on the podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, actually, he was in uh, Vegas last night. Uh, Stevie Ray. Uh, more uh, when I wrote this, I was more thinking less about Harlem Heat, more about Stevie Ray as a uh, as a uh, as a. Uh, com- I'm glad we pulled this one out actually, because when we had Stevie Ray on here, he actually credited you with 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 uh, uh, the the thought that he should be a color commentator. Absolutely. We decided we decided that was the one smart booking decision you ever made. Well, I would always go to bat for guys that I knew could do things. And I knew Stevie could could be a good color commentator because he always used to like when we would watch matches on TV or like, you know, or watch boxing, he would commentate. You know, he's funny. So I was like, I was like his tailor made for me. You should should have him be a commentator. And, And not to mention that he came up with the word. He started using the word fruit booty. (laughs) <laughs> on TV a lot, which I thought was tremendous. Okay, but the you know this, and bro, that's what people don't realize is like when they try to when people try to bring up dirt on people from back when we wrestled twenty something years ago. You see the people, uh, like the the politically correct you know society today, and people that like try to go after like wrestlers and things they did twenty years ago, and you've seen it on Twitter. Some of these guys that, that do it, yeah. um, but I just tell everybody, bro, it's a different. It's a, it was a different culture. Like you just can't, you can't ignore like, like when you're in a culture in a, in, a, in a locker room and certain things that people will be horrified of at today were accepted by everyone back in the day. It's just, it's just different, you know? And, um, you know, like I said, like, like there's no way fruit booty would get on the air today. You know, you call somebody a fruit booty, they'd be like, you'd be offending too many groups of people and stuff. But, uh, but also what I, what I found entertaining about Stevie Ray he used to crack up um, when you hear the name Jerry Only. 
Like he just thought that was the funniest name ever, Jerry Oli, the guy that misfits, Jerry yeah, Oli. I know. Who he is. <laughs> so, but he was, he so was based on guy. based on that, you 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 recommended him to be a color commentator based on the fact that he laughed at Jerry Oli's name. No, no, based on the fact that he could, I knew he could do it. I knew he could do it. I, I actually, Fruit Booty was good, but I love when he called people a yak. To me, that's hilarious. I don't even know what uh, a, I don't I have no idea what a yak is. It just sounds funny. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of politically correct, and we were talking about Dave Meltzer earlier, and I'm I, I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about this, but I I thought I'd ask you, Meltzer, and a lot of guys, people on the internet were really hot, really really seriously pissed off uh, about WWE going and doing that show in Saudi Arabia and not having any of the uh, the women wrestlers because of the culture and not having Sami Zayn on there because of his background. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? Did that offend you? What no? What offend me? The fact that the girls didn't wrestle at the show in Saudi Arabia no, that they paid like a hundred no, million dollars for. No, I didn't. That didn't offend. It didn't offend me. Maybe the girls were offended, but that's just this the thing. You know, they're wrestling in a country with different laws. Yeah. You know, the, the WWE is a global entity. Like they go give they go give fans in other countries their product, and just unfortunately, there's some extreme countries that their laws are kind of kind of extreme, and just the girls and. I guess Sami Zayn and stuff could couldn't go on the show because they're you know they're in a country where the, just the laws are different. People on social and media I, I, were really 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 hot about it, like well, you know protest. Well, well, here's the thing. Yes. Well, did they really protest? Because here's the thing I found very hypocritical. They were talking about how the hypocrisy of the WWE is how hypocritical they're being in you know trying to do this uh, this women's revolution, but they're going to a country that doesn't allow women. And I'm like, well, did you people? buy the network this month and watch the show that are complaining about that. Cause that's hypocritical too. You know, you can't, you can't talk about the WWE's hypocrisy that they're being hypocritical and not make a statement yourself. If you thought it was hypocritical, then you should have canceled your membership and not exactly. watch the show. And I've said this, you know? <laughs> so, Glenn, I've said this many times, people have a right to do whatever they to have, whatever feelings they want. But if they don't like something, then they, 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 they don't have to support it. They don't have to go there. Right. They don't have to turn on the television. Uh, I mean, look, there, no matter what you think about the rules in Saudi Arabia and the women's revolution, all that, it, it's real simple to me. And, and probably you'll agree, but you're a business. Not only your business, you're a public business, which means that people own shares in your company and have a, uh, have a, a, a stake in, 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 in you making money. If, a, if you own a company and, and an entity comes to you and says, uh, yeah, we're calling from Saudi Arabia. We want to offer you a hundred million or two hundred million dollars to do a show for us, but we want a little propaganda, you know, because we're trying to show that that we're that we're trendy. And oh yeah, you can't bring the girls, and we won't take Sami Zayn. You have a, a you know, you have a a, a duty to your shots uh, uh, stockholders to take that hundred or two hundred million dollars. Uh, yeah, you know, and, try, you, and like I said, are you a, are you a uh, um, are you a publicly traded company that's trying to turn a profit or are you a political organization? Yeah. And Triple H. You, know, you, 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 you can play politics and say, well, we're not going to go over there because they're okay. Well, then the, the, nobody gets paid. Yeah. It's, it's not <laughs> like they said, hey, we'd like you to run a show in Saudi Arabia and you could keep the receipt, you know, the gate receipts. They offered them like a ridiculous amount of money to run this show. Uh, guaranteed. I mean, you'd have to be out of your mind. And if Vince says no, then then Ring of Honor is going to say yes, or New Japan is going to say yes, or or, or I'm going to say yes, or or whoever. Uh, but uh, 
But yeah, and, and I thought Triple H said it best, you know, you can't, by, by not going there, you can't change the way they think. He said by maybe going there and putting on a great show and showing the athleticism of the wrestlers and the and, and our product, maybe we can, you know, down the road, maybe we can allow women a women's match, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, by, by, by not going and engaging, you're not going to change anything by going there and engaging. At least you have a chance to make a point. Well, you're good. And, and let's not ignore the, how many people did that show draw like 70,000 or something like that. Is it some stadium? Something like that. Like it, was, giving, it was a paid show. Yeah. I think they gave tickets away. I don't know. Yeah. You're, you're giving 70,000 fans. You're exposing to the product of the, the, the WWE. And that's what they do. They, they go and they wrestle for their fans around the world. And some of the countries, the, the laws are different and you know stuff you can't, things you can and can't do. And you, they just abide by them and give their fans their show, you know? So. All right. The last name that I picked out is, uh, I'm sure you have stories on this person. Uh, Terry Taylor. What are your thoughts and stories on Terry Taylor? Let me tell you one thing about Terry Taylor. Okay. You know, the deal where, um, Everybody thinks that I came up with the, with the character building. You, yeah, you've told this story before. It was Terry Taylor. It's Terry Taylor. And Terry Taylor is But Bill you Dane. did come up with the Invisible Man. Yes, I did come up with the Invisible Man, but not an actual Invisible Man. The thing was supposed to be, was supposed to be a... Uh, two characters on the show were supposed to be convincing another character that there actually was an Invisible Man. That's the gimmick. Um, that makes it so much but better. But Terry, Terry came up with... He, you know, he was all big on that because when he was the Red Rooster... Uh, his promo was like, yo, this is excellent. And, you know, like all those like kind of weird, like he loved to play on words, uh, uh, so he had like, so he would have perfection, Stasiak, (laughs) you know, humorous, which is Hugh Morris, you know, building the evil arc. That, that was Terry's deal. He, he liked, he liked those, uh, those funny gimmicks. But, um, the funniest thing is that, uh, when I first met Terry, um, it was going. We were going over to show, going to a show in um, Jackson, Mississippi, from Atlanta, Georgia. They were doing TV tapings for this group called Mid South Wrestling, which was like the old Bill Watts territory. They were trying to start it up again. And I worked a night. Was job. that a Henry Hubbard show? No, no, no. This is a Hillbilly Cousin Luke. Was oh, the guy that was over at these shows. So, because um, there was like there was like a good there were a TV tapings at Indian Reservation casinos around Mississippi and stuff. So. uh so it was funny. I met Terry Taylor, but I had to work all night before the drive. We like met at like eight o'clock in the morning. I had to drive like seven hours, you know? So here I am, the green guy in the business. I did. And I told him, Hey, Hey, look, you know, I'm working all night. You know, I'm going to have to like catch, catch some Z's in the car. So we got, I get in the car and here's Terry Taylor, a veteran of the business for like 25 years. And I sat in the passenger seat and slept and let Terry Taylor <laughs> drive me to Jackson. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you heard about that for uh, years. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was a big rib. It was, it was, it was a good story to, to tell. You know, that was a great rib. So that, yeah, pretty much, that, that pretty much sums up your career, pretty much uh, yeah. in, in, as, as far as you getting heat, not even realizing it most of the time. <laughs> right. No, I did realize it, but I was like, <laughs> once I woke up, I did the rest of the driving, you know? So but that was just funny because he, he kept bringing it up. Wow, here I am in the business 20 years. I got to drive around this, this punk around. <laughs> That's just funny. Any other Terry Taylor stories? Did he ever fire you? No, he never fired. Yeah, he did fire me from TNA. He had to call me and tell me. Uh, when they let go a bunch of the agents, uh, he called me and told me. Yeah, so. he fired me too. And every time he would call, he would say, Hey, David, this is Terry Taylor. I'm not calling to fire you. And 
So and, and then when I finally got the call, it was like, "Hey, David, this is Terry Taylor," and I'm like, "And?" <laughs> He's like, uh, "Sorry, I got some bad news." I'm like, "You said it right." And I yeah. just I, go ahead. Terry gets a, let me tell you something. Terry, Terry, I always got along with Terry. I know he has a lot of people in the business that are not fond of him, but that spot, you're not going to have a lot of people like you. You Tal- know, when, when you're relations? Tal- no. Yeah, you're not going to bro because you're the all your 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 job is the office stooge. You know, and like, like, uh, and, and that's the thing is like the worst part about that job is, is the guy that's running the show knows he needs you, but he still doesn't really have a lot of respect for you because you're going to be, because you're a stooge, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you get heat, you don't get a lot of respect from the guy you work for, which we saw a lot of WCW and he was like, you know, Eric would let the boys just scream at Terry all the time. Um, and, uh, and like the guy, the boys aren't going to like you because, because you have to tell them when they, when they screw up, you got to tell the boss. You know, so it was it was a it was a thankless job, and I thought he did pretty well at it. Yeah, it's know? never fun when the boss comes in and gives you a list and say, "Hey, call these guys and fire them." You know, you're right. never going to be the most popular guy in the room. <laughs> no, 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 now, right. now, now he had his own unique way of generating heat, so he's not totally innocent. But 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 it was a thankless job for sure. Uh, hey, speaking of Henry Hubbard, does he still run? Is he still alive? I don't. I, we had a falling out, so I. I don't, oh, you I, too. I, I yeah. Yeah. What was the last time you saw Henry Hubbard? By the way, Henry Hubbard was a promoter who uh, promoted uh, uh, army bases, I believe. And, uh, yes. Yeah. One to... of my favorite guys to work for. He was definitely my favorite guy to work for. Yeah. I, I, uh, I had a, a choice. I, the only time I ever got double booked and, um, and the choice was to wrestle for Henry Hubbard in the middle of nowhere army base for like, this is after WCW for like $350 or to go uh, to the ECW arena and go out there for about five minutes and get a thousand dollars that John Collins, some crook promoter in Ohio, owed me, and the only way he paid me is if I came and did the ECW Arena show. Uh, and uh, so I no showed Henry Hubbard's show, and uh, I was like number one on his shit list from then on. Oh as, yeah, oh, as you could. That no good son of a bitch. That pisses a no good son of a bitch. That's yeah, you just you just like you just like mentioned like if you're in an airport with him, you just say like, oh look, Penzer's over there, and the guy cut like a five minute yeah. promo. Oh, that's right. He would have come after. I, <laughs> that's a true story. <laughs> Me and Norman were were sitting down eating with 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 Henry, and like Norman jokingly said, "Hey, look, there's Penzer." Yeah, Henry. Spit his food out of his mouth. Like, got him. We're not son of a bitch. Like, getting up out of his chair. Like, we're like, Henry, settle down. Settle down. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was like, just to mention your name, he wanted to kill you. I, t- uh, I told the guy my situation and I told him, I'll work for you again. I'll work for free. Uh, and, and you don't have, you know, you don't have to pay me. I've, I've never done this before, but I need to get my $1,000 from John Collins. Plus, I never worked ECW right. Arena and I never worked it again. So, that was a cool experience. I think I came out, did something, and Joel Gertner ran me off, and that was the extent of it. But, uh, but yeah, he never forgave me for that. And um, it, it also took him, like, three hours to pay the guys after the show. You'd, like, literally sit around until, uh, until the sun came up. Yeah, Which, but like, I, I used to work shows where we just do tours. So I didn't, I didn't worry about that. So I was like, I, you know, I knew I was eventually going to get my money. We did, like, he, he took me... He's the one that um, used to do the army base tours over South yeah. Korea and stuff. Yeah, so those were always fun. He took me to the DMZ twice, where I bored Donald Trump's going to be meeting uh, Kim Jong Un. I, 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 I tell people I've been there. You know, like, oh, really? Times. You were in the DMZ? Oh, yeah, 
Yeah, we, we, we uh, did it twice. Maybe I shouldn't yeah. have done the ECW Arena show, although I don't think they would have understood what I was saying. So. Right. <laughs> Who would have thought? That, see, this is why I wanted to have you on. I still haven't decided if this was a good idea or not uh, on my behalf. But uh, you, you start out a show talking about WrestleMania and you end out a show talking, telling Henry Hubbard stories. Only with you, Glenn. <laughs> I appreciate it. And uh, hey, maybe uh, well, based on fan feedback, maybe we could do this a couple of times a year. And if not, uh, I appreciate uh, you coming by and doing it. Anything you have to promote? You're on like four. Like I said, the the Paul Lind of uh, of, of a podcast world. Anything else you want to promote? Well, I'm uh, at Disco Master GG on um, on Instagram at the Real Disco on Twitter. Uh, you catch me on Vince Russo's uh, The Brand on Fridays on a show called Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Disco on the Realm Network. And you can catch me on Westwood One for uh, for with with the show I do with Conan. Um, it's on Westwood One called Keeping It 100 with Conan. Drops late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Where we talk about pop culture, sports, wrestling, all things that we like. And yeah. um, I was also, a guest once. Catch, yeah, you can catch me at. Um, Sapphire Gentleman's Club, if you're ever in Vegas, uh, if you dial 702-303-3430 and mention my name, we'll send you a free limit pick you up, get you in for free, get your free drinks. The savings about $80 if you don't make that call. Yeah, you mentioned that last time, and if I would have come up for uh, for uh, Cauliflower Alley, I was definitely going to take you up on the, the, the free drinks. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I need the limo and the free entry, but the the free, you know, <laughs> never, never leave a, never, the free drink. Yeah. never leave a free drink on the table, especially not in Vegas. So, uh, <laughs> hey, Glenn, Glenn, really appreciate it. My best to you. It's always fun. And uh, 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 we'll uh, be following you on social media down the road. Thanks, brother. So that was an idea I had and uh, it was interesting. So um, please hit me up on social media at. David Penzer at Penzer Ringside. Uh, let me know what you thought of the show. Honestly, if you think it was a dumb idea, uh, if you thought it blew, say it blew. Uh, I'm, I'm easy. I, I don't take things personally. Been around the wrestling business for 25 or so years. Pretty hard to take things personally. Uh, so uh, uh, if it was something that you thought was a good idea, we could do it uh, once or twice a year. And uh, if not, uh, it was nice to know you, Disco. But uh, no, appreciate Glenford for hopping on and doing that. Um, like I said, next week, uh, barring any major uh, life incidents, uh, the Birdman, Coco Beware, WWE Hall of Famer. And um, yeah, interesting story. Had a long career, started in Memphis, uh, wrestled different territories, and uh, and then made it big, uh, as, as we know, with uh, Frankie and WWF. So i um, interested to hear Coco tell his story and uh, tell some stories and um, sit ringside with us. Uh, if you like the show, tell your friends. To, I say it every uh, week, but... Tell people, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, uh, uh, tell social media. If uh, you're at a site that lets you leave a review, please do. And uh, as always, we appreciate you listening and always are open to feedback of all kinds through any form of social media. Or you can email me at David Penzer at RadioInfluence.com. David Penzer at RadioInfluence.com. Going to wrap it up from there. Hope you enjoyed. Until next time, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. Everybody overreacting about Michelle Wolf. And her little stand-up that she had uh, at the White House. Now, 
if you have a, a, a comedian stand up at the White House, what do you expect them to do? No, seriously. Sarah Huckabee and Kellyanne Conway and Pence, they're easy targets. <laughs> they're <laughs> Everybody's going to tell me that Pence and he, he can't have lunch with a young lady because he figures he's going to be tempted. You think that's normal? You think that's normal? Oh, it's okay. He's just being loyal to his wife. That's creepy. And he has a rabbit. Dudes aren't supposed to have rabbits. I mean, that's all that stuff is really, really creepy. And he looks creepy. Everybody up there looks creepy. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.